Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. When George Washington was on his deathbed in 1799, he signaled for his secretary and whispered hoarsely, I am just going. Have me decently buried, and do not let my body be put into the vault in less than three days after I'm dead. Those were Washington's final words, careful instructions from a man who wasn't afraid of death itself, but, like many people of his time and place, was deathly afraid of being buried alive. In Washington's day and throughout the 1800s, the specter of premature burial felt very real. Medical science as we know it was in its infancy, and death could strike from anywhere, common illnesses, infected wounds, or fast-spreading outbreaks of smallpox. With so much death happening and so few scientific tools, even primitive stethoscopes weren't around until the 1820s, it went unquestioned that a few people were being buried while not quite dead. The acute fear of being buried alive, dubbed taphophobia, with tapha being Greek for burial, was part of a larger obsession with death that gripped Europe and North America in the 19th century. One of the wildest ways that taphophobia manifested was through the invention of safety coffins or security coffins, uh, basically tricked-out caskets that provided a way for prematurely buried people to escape from six feet under. The first patents for safety coffins started appearing in the 1790s in Central Europe. That timing lines up with when European intellectuals were swept up by German Romanticism. Romanticism was a response to the cold logic and reason emphasized by the Enlightenment. Instead, Romantic writers and philosophers sought after truth and art, emotion, and instinct, with a frequent focus on the natural and the supernatural, and in areas in between. For the article this episode is based on, How Stuff Works spoke with Adam Bisnow, an historian at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. He explained that Romanticism looked into, quote, 
The unseen and unknown, the gray areas in our experience, like the gray area between life and death. Mary Shelley published Frankenstein, or The Modern Prometheus, in 1818, a novel that captured the era's fixation on that blurry line between life and death. By the mid-1800s, seances and psychics offered ways for the living to communicate with the dead, who seemed to exist on a spiritual plane just beyond our own. Abysno said, People were asking, are the dead really gone? Are they still here with us? The fear of live burial really tapped into that fascination. It's a figure underground who is with us and not with us, alive and not alive, dead and somehow not dead. Abysno estimates that more than 100 security coffin patents were granted in America by the Patent and Trademark Office during the 1800s, with each design offering more bells and whistles than the last. Literally. Uh, Many of the designs used noisemakers like these to allow a person trapped in the coffin to alert someone above ground. One of the earliest American patents for a life-preserving coffin was filed in 1843 by one Christian H. Eisenbrandt of Baltimore, Maryland. The coffin had a spring-loaded lid, which would snap open at the slightest motion of either the head or the hand. Since that wouldn't do much good if the coffin were six feet underground, Eisenbrandt suggested leaving the coffin in an above-ground vault with a key to the vault door left inside, so that should the person not really be dead, life may be preserved. Historians found advertisements for Eisenbrandt's jack-in-the-box coffin dating from 1844 playing up the popular but unfounded belief in the frequency and danger of premature internment and the necessity of such a device. We don't know how many were actually made, but sales might have been helped by Edgar Allan Poe, who published his harrowing short story, The Premature Burial, in the same year. In the story, Poe wrote, To be buried while alive is, beyond question, the most terrific of these extremes which has ever fallen to the lot of mere mortality. That it has frequently, very frequently, so fallen will scarcely be denied by those who think. The boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where one ends and where the other begins? In 1868, one Franz Fester of Newark, New Jersey, filed a patent for his improved burial case, which featured a narrow tube with a ladder that allowed a reanimated person to climb to safety. If the buried individual was too weak to escape on their own, they could also pull a rope inside the coffin that rang a bell above ground to alert the living. Vester gave demonstrations of his coffin. In 1868, a reporter for the New York Times chronicled one such demo, during which Vester was buried under four feet of dirt and emerged an hour later out of his living grave to the applause and congratulations of the crowd. But the undisputed showman of 19th century security coffins was a man known as Count Michel de Carnice Carnicki, uh, described as a chamberlain to the Tsar of Russia, who toured Europe and the United States demonstrating a remarkable coffin contraption that he called Le Carnice. In 1899, the Chicago Tribune reported on a meeting of the Academy of Medicine in New York City, where one physician startled his fellow members with the assertion that one out of every 200 people buried in the U.S. was actually in a lethargic state and is buried alive. That questionable claim served as an introduction to the Count, who then demonstrated his device. 
it improved on other security coffins by triggering a series of alarms and alerts with any movement of the body. Uh, There was a bell that rang and a shiny ball that lifted into the air. While waiting for help to arrive, the trapped individual could breathe and speak through a special tube. One design flaw of such safety coffins is the morbid fact that dead bodies do indeed move, just not voluntarily. During the process of decomposition, a corpse can shift and even flip over, which would trigger a false alarm for most security coffins. But nonetheless, to show its effectiveness, the Count would ask for volunteers to be buried alive. To this day, the world record for the longest voluntary live burial is held by an Italian man named Farapo Lorenzo, who consented to be entombed in Lake Carnice for nine days in 1898. And despite these entertaining demonstrations, the Count never put Lake Carnice into production. Bisno said, People didn't buy it. Funeral directors weren't interested, and the public wasn't interested either. In fact, none of these inventions ever caught on. However, that's not to say that such designs were never implemented. While not exactly a security coffin, there is a grave with a window in New Haven, Connecticut. One Dr. Timothy Clark Smith, who died in 1893, was so afraid of being buried alive that he constructed a large underground tomb where his body was laid out next to a hammer and chisel. The window allowed cemetery workers and passersby to check and see if Smith had returned to life. No signs, as of yet. Today's episode is based on the article, How Safety Coffins Eased Grave Fears of Premature Burial, on HowStuffWorks.com, written by Dave Ruse. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio in partnership with HowStuffWorks.com and is produced by Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hold up. 